Welcome to the 45th episode of the ABC Pod, the adult book club with Taja and Russell. This episode features Book of Night by Holly Black. Spoilers are between the 37 and 1 hour 17 minute marks. We discuss what we liked about the characters, setting, and magic of this world, as well as how we would treat our quickened shadows if we had them. During spoilers, we talk about some questions and issues this left us with, and then finish with our usual segments, including our second surprise book reveal. So with that, let's hear it. Well, Tajay and Russell, they both love reading books. Tajay and Russell, they both love reading books. Well, what do you do when you share such love? Well, you start a club, you start a club, an adult book club, an adult book club, and a podcast. Welcome to the 45th episode of the ABC Pod, the adult book club with Taja and Russell. I am Russell. She is Taja. Hello. Hello and welcome back everybody on this episode. We are excited to bring you The Book of Night by Holly Black. But before we get to that, it has been two weeks. Uh, Tasha, what's been going on as we moved into spring? Oh boy. Well, we had gotten a whole bunch of snow and then it got a little bit warm and was melty. And so we had a little bit of a leaky basement situation. Not too bad. There are like current contraption for catching the leak is pretty solid and thank god for wet dry backs uh so homeownership woo and let's see what else uh saint patrick's day fun times you guys went crazy huh oh yeah so crazy um barry had to work and i had a vet appointment for the dog who is very expensive obviously um and then i went bowling with my parents and went to a brewery in a nearby town and then ate some corned beef and cabbage from the crock pot and then went to bed probably at like 9 30 so it was like a real hoot nuts it didn't wear any green it was a failure yeah no one cares like i was thinking about how back like 21 to 25 if it landed on a friday or saturday it was like the greatest and uh I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't care <laughs> anymore. It's a young person's nope. game that St. Patrick's Day. It is. We are, we are not that anymore. And then today we're heading to Massachusetts to visit with my dad's side of the family. My um, grandpa turned ninety on the twenty second Wednesday. So yeah, that's a big milestone. So we're gonna go hang for a little bit, and yeah. Nice. That is impressive. I mean, 90 yeah. is it's nothing to shake a stick at. That's for sure. No. no. Uh, how much snow did you guys end up getting on that that storm? Um, it was like really wet, heavy stuff, too. So it's super fun. And our snowblower has like a fuel leak. So it just keeps like dying, like in the middle of the driveway. Luckily, it's not as big a driveway as yours. But still, I would say, I don't know, like 18 inches, maybe a little bit less. Okay. 12 to 18. So we also got that storm. We ended up getting 25 inches of snow. Oh my God. So we had to uh, plow three times in order to oh. handle that just because there's nowhere to really put it once you're plowing the driveway part that is super long. And I learned a valuable lesson the first time down and that because it was, you know, all the trees were coming down. There was a bunch of trees over the yeah, driveway. So and I didn't knock them back up before. So it was like going through um, a car wash, except it was all true. <laughs> the truck was just like bouncing, going wherever it wanted to, because I couldn't see anything. And um, 
that was the only time going back up. I almost didn't make it because the way down was such a mess. And it usually takes me three times down to actually clear the entire width of wow. the way. So it's always a little sketchy the first time back up, wondering whether or not you're going to make it. But thankfully, that taught me how to do it properly moving forward. So yes. on the other two times I plowed, I would go and knock the snow off the branches, get them above you know, where I had to go and all that which helped out on the final time I had to plow because I would walk the entire driveway to make sure everything was was taken down and knocked back up. And we had a giant tree down at the bottom of our driveway. So it was like, we had no power. I had already plowed twice and we had to shovel out some drainage. And then I had to go get the chainsaw, which I hadn't used in a couple of years because we haven't needed to. So, you know, sharpen it, make sure everything works. Oh my God. Thankfully, I remembered how to do things, which was nice. Uh, so then, yeah, went down and had to chop that up and move it and everything. And I just did it to the end of, you know, to the side of the driveway as much as I needed so I could plow and, and everything. I'll deal with the rest later. But that added like an hour and a half. Uh, and then I had to plow after that. So it was a nightmare of a storm. Good thing you had to plow, though. Yes. Thank God for that. But we just wouldn't have left. Like, yeah. that's just, no, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. It's done. We're, we're stuck here until it melts, which is now uh, we have like barely any snow aside from where we pushed it all up. So that that was nice. We did lose power for about 60 hours. So the generator, shout out Jay, the generator works great until it did it, stopped working in the middle of the night on the last night. We weren't really sure what was oh, going no. on. Uh, turned out it needed an oil change because it had oh. been for so long. So did that, read about that, checked the spark plug and other things. It's like hey, hey, such a such a such a weekend or whatever, just middle of the week of me looking like a man. I was like, generator, <laughs> chainsaw, plow. Oh, man, hear me roar. So yeah, so we did that. And then because of that, we like didn't leave the house. But generator, the best thing we did with the generator, obviously it ran the pellet stove, ran the refrigerator, but we plugged in a light. And just having that light felt so oh much better. Like, yeah. It just made it so much easier. We're not reading by lamplight or candles or whatever. We can play games. Like it just felt yeah. the lamp was the all-star of, of the week for sure. So because of that, uh, we decided to go on an adventure last weekend just because we hadn't really gotten out of the house. So we went over to Concord and Tilton and did some rock shopping and some oh, yes. uh, book Bookstore book shopping. shopping. And then we went out to have dinner and they were still doing a St. Patrick's Day menu. It was okay, but I did have a Guinness. So that felt like I avenged some of so 21 good. to 25 year old Russ and his desire to drink on St. Patrick's Day. So yeah. it was really nice. Nothing crazy at the bookstores, although I did find the first book in Brian McClellan's next series. Uh, <gasps> I'm excited to start. I keep pushing. I'm, I'm not pushing it off, but I'm like, okay, I ordered the other two on thrift books because they finally became on sale there. So I was like, okay, once I get all three, I'm going to run through that real quick. Yes. So, Is it in the same? It's, it's in, in the same, same world, a different part of the world. Um, oh. so it's um, it's from where Pole is from. I forget. Yeah, the name of it. I was hoping that would be the case. Awesome. So kind of that wild country. So we'll see yeah. how that is. Very excited to get into that at some point. So yeah, it was nice. And I, I told Sully about it. I'm like, yeah, man, and I had an adventure day. And he's like, you guys have been together for like, whatever, 15 years. It's a date, Russ. It's still, a, <laughs> you guys can go on a date. And I was like, no, it's an adventure day. No, it's adventure. Yeah, it was an adventure day. So whatever. And I bought like my second rock I've ever bought just because it was a cube and it looked so, the shape got me. I felt like Tom Haverford 
in uh, Parks and Recs where he's like, it's the shapes, man. It's the shapes. And I was like, that <laughs> shape speaks to me. So, <laughs> so that was um, One thing that I wanted to mention, this isn't all that exciting, but Barry and I played a tabletop game that I had got on like a Kickstarter thing like ages ago that we just like had never we'd like gotten it and put it in the basement and then finally we're like we should try this and it's super fun it's called parks and it's like about hiking and national parks and you like go to visit different parks and their seasons and it's really fun it was like kind of complicated to learn at first but it's really fun to play so next time you and Amanda are here we should try it <laughs> Nice. I saw that on your Instagram, actually. Oh, yeah. That you were posted there a couple times. And speaking of that, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Adult Book Club 21. That's Adult Book Club, all in word 21, the number for the year we started this. You can check us out there, see the, the limited things we post, or you can yeah. check out Tasha's story about playing parks. There was also <laughs> something else that happened, Tasha, and that is because of you and your family and your bowling. The first person to actually request merch outside of people. Our friend group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that That's was cool. Great. Do you still have a couple large and extra large shirts? So if you are looking for some keep reading, hit us up on any of our socials and we'll get that okay. to you. So on that note, we move to the book. Once again, it is The Book of Night by Holly Black. So The Book of Night was Holly Black's debut into adult fiction and was released in May 2022. Before that, she was best known for children and young adult fiction. She has written a ton since her first novel was published in 2002 and in all different forms, including short stories, graphic novels, and poetry. Again, this is our source of Wikipedia, but her listing of what she had done was scroll worthy to, to put yeah. it simply. So her series is that you could you may know her from include the modern fairy tales, the Spiderwick Chronicles, the Curse Workers, and the Folk of the Air, uh, which was the ones I had seen. Taja, we were talking about earlier. That's like the new one is the Cruel Prince, something like that. Uh, those are very visually appealing with their jacket. The Spiderwick Chronicles, wasn't that like made into a show or something? It was, yeah. And she was a producer on that as well. So nice. um, yeah, that was like mid 2000s, I want to say that one came okay. out. So yeah, a little bit, little bit in the throwback machine there. So yeah. On that note, do you want to read the jacket and get us started? Okay. Charlie Hall has never found a lock she couldn't pick, a book she couldn't steal, or a bad decision she wouldn't make. She spent half her life working for glow mists, magicians who manipulate shadows to peer into locked rooms, strangle people in their beds, or worse. Glow mists guard their secrets greedily, creating an underground economy of grimoires. And to rob their fellow magicians, they need Charlie Hall. Now she's trying to distance herself from past mistakes, but bartending at a local dive, she's still entirely too close to the corrupt underbelly of the Berkshires. Not to mention that her sister Posey is desperate for magic, and that Charlie's shadowless and possibly soulless boyfriend Vince has been hiding things from her. When a terrible figure from her past returns, Charlie descends into a maelstrom of murder and lies. Determined to survive, she's up against a cast of doppelgangers, mercurial billionaires, glomists, and the people she loves best in the world, all trying to steal a secret that will give them a vast and terrible power. Nice. Our story begins with our protagonist in this one. It is Charlie Hall. I was wondering what you thought of her as we got to know her. Oh, like my long lost sister, Charlie. <laughs> I thought she she was pretty cool. I wouldn't necessarily like fully call her a strong female lead i mean she is and she isn't she's sort of got like 
endearing down on her luck but also lucky vibes <laughs> she's like an underachiever but is also naturally talented i don't know she was she was interesting because she wasn't just like one thing and she wasn't like the type of protagonist that's like always perfect always doing things right everything is going her way she kind of like had a making a the most of a bad situation she had that down pretty well yeah, it was interesting as I was writing the rundown, I didn't really think of this as the, at the time, but as I was kind of coming up with my own answers to these questions, I realized she fits our private investigator. Oh my God, she does. Uh, click to a T, uh, you know, down and out, struggling, doubts herself, but, you know, keeps getting jobs because she is She's good dead. at something. Yeah. And then when she is investigating, like you were saying, like whether it's fate or whatever, th- things kind of fall into place or people come to her or whatever. It, it just seems like she's got a knack for for the investigating, but never enough of a knack or she doesn't doesn't take advantage of it enough to like make money. You know, like right. you know, <laughs> thinking of like Harry Dresden and, and all that just seems like she could be earning such a different living or a better living, but she, as it says, like refuses to go back to that world because she seems to always mess it up and make the mistakes or get herself into trouble, which we see quite a bit in this. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I appreciated the whole like concept she had of just how her sort of family shit, like the family curse. The whole, yeah. Like the whole women are all like screwed because they always choose poorly and who they love and have, you know, whatever. It's not just like her being a black sheep or something. It's like the whole family has not great track record. Yeah. And there's a lot to her that was just drawing you in. She was definitely written very well that way that you wanted to root for her immediately. Uh, Again, with all her shortcomings or beliefs and curses or whatever, she was trying to do the best for especially her sister Posey, trying to make sure that she had a better life than what Charlie did and and had always been looking out for. So I did. There was so much of her to like. uh, And and she was very well written to draw you in. You immediately were rooting for her uh, and hoping that somehow legally or not she'd be able to to change her luck (laughs) well especially because in the chapters about like the past and stuff where we learn a little bit more about her younger years she's got this natural affinity for first sleight of hand and being kind of a, a con artist type person but she's also not a bad person like she's not necessarily looking to take advantage of people that aren't evil you know what i mean like she's she's a a good-hearted con artist she's a good-hearted criminal yeah yeah the best kind yeah Mm -hmm. there was some of that too as we get into her past and some of it did kind of smell like the easy way out where it was like oh i have an affinity for this so i'm just gonna keep going down this path and it's right like i i I, i'll only take advantage of people that deserve to be taken advantage of uh, unless i need something you know there was definitely some of that in there too but everybody lives in the morally gray area so it's okay (laughs) for her to do that too and i think again that's just makes her more realistic as you're reading it you can understand why she makes some decisions and sometimes you can't because you put yourself in that spot you'd be like why would you do that (laughs) Well, you're not Charlie. So it did fit with her character, at least as we were reading her. Definitely. So this book is set in our world. Shout out Western Mass. It's actually Mm -hmm. in our, our, our world. Deal with that. The New Uh, England world. (laughs) But uh, the magic in it uh, is also based on people's shadows. So I was wondering about what you thought of that aspect of it, the magic in this story and how that was developed. 
Yeah, I thought that was super cool concept and definitely something that I haven't heard of before. You know, I, I definitely am attracted to those stories that have magic in our current environment. <laughs> but this one was particularly interesting to me that it was so fresh. It's not as though the magic was new. It sounded like that had been around for a while, but it was such a secretive thing that it has only just recently become kind of a mainstream societal, societally acceptable thing to to do. And I can imagine with the way that we deal, we humans, especially Americans, deal with like new things like that. I can imagine it becoming a fad really quickly and everybody getting really into it. And like Tamagotchis, man. I mean, you might be too young for that, but I had a Tamagotchi <laughs> late nineties. Okay, I was old enough to have one. Definitely okay, kept good. it alive. Clean up its poop. Good job. <laughs> but like, just to have something like that kind of explode into the mainstream makes sense, and I appreciate that in this world it is something magical because that totally tracks with how I could imagine if right now we got a. If I got an NPR push notification right now that shadow magic was a thing, I could totally imagine that it would take off in the way that it does in this book. Like that was written very believably. And I thought it was just really neat because so often when you read stories about magic that are in our current times, it is mad like it's not really our current times because magic has existed forever. So this felt more realistic and that was enticing. Yeah, and I think it fits, again, like you were saying, with the realism of our world. Like, if you think about how everything was in the 80s and 90s, it was a lot harder to share information, obviously. Yeah. And then in 2000, you know, dot com and everything that goes crazy. And now with the internet, you can, you know, information travels around the world before you even know about it. So I think it would make sense that those secrets would start coming out. Like, I just pictured yes. that there would be, you know, five or six dozen, if not more, TikTok influencers who were doing their shadow magic. And that would be like, it would create people like Posey who would then be like, I want to do that. Like, that's what I want to be. I want to be that. Yeah, fangirling the Glomists and like following all those YouTube videos and stuff. I thought that was really, it, it just felt so real because she was calling on all of those things that are so familiar to us. Like the, the social media, the internet connectability that we have right now. And I don't like you you're, to your point, I don't think it would have been possible for that kind of mainstreamness to have occurred outside of this interconnected time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it also makes sense for how it would be harder to keep a secret, whereas right. before, and, and also more accepted. I mean, that's the other thing you think back to, you know, Salem witch trials. Well, a Glomus would also be worried about being called a witch. And right. as time moves forward, obviously, there's you know, people become yes, more accepting of things, that. especially when people see opportunities to make money off of it. Yes. But all that makes sense where now it is harder to hide. So also people start talking more. There's more people. So you know about which books are magical or whatever. And it was cool too, how, how Charlie talks about the different ways people would hide their research and how they would like mm -hmm. stitch it into clothing or how it would be like written into the, the borders of books or, you know, hidden in different yeah. ways in paintings and all that. Like, especially when they were looking back at the glomus of previous centuries, I thought that was a really cool idea. And it would make sense as, you know, you read Dan Brown and he talks about how, uh, you know, the, the artists were all on the side of Mary Magdalene and, and all that. So they would like have these different kind of symbols in their paintings and all that. So it is kind of taking from that. But again, it just makes it more believable as you're reading this and you're like, okay, this is like a, 
I could, like you were saying, if you got a notification today, I would believe it too. Like, yeah, yeah shadow magic is real. Oh, of course it is. It makes complete yeah. sense. Yeah. I will say the one thing that took me a bit was, especially because Charlie doesn't have the shadow magic. She's just a thief who shadow magicians use, that Glomist use. I like, they explained it quickly where it's like, there's four different time, four different kinds and there's this and that and that, and this is what this one does and that one, that. I felt like the magic part of it wasn't mm. necessarily explained very well. And even like now, like when I'm just saying that the only one of, I think it was four, might've been three, was the alternation, alterationist. Alterationist. And the only reason I know that one is because I fumbled over the words so much that I was like, I'm going to remember that one. And, and they kind of talked about how that, how like people would alter their shadows to affect them, to make them, you know, better at singing or <clears throat> not have a heart to break or whatever. But I, there was a lot of that, that at the end of this book, I was like, okay, I kind of get- Don't really understand. And I get that your shadow, you have to have a quickened shadow to have shadow magic because it works. That was, but what is it really? That was something that, now that you bring it up, that is a little muddy. It makes some sense in some regard that a lot of what they were talking about, like the way that a shadow is quickened is often through trauma, which like it sounded to me as though when- the shadow magic thing, the fad first started happening. People were like trying to do terrible things to themselves to like enact too quick in their shadow. Yeah. And I was a little worried. I mean, po- I think Charlie was worried too. Cause Posey was like, let's get some, like, what is it? The Iahosca or whatever those <laughs> like drugs. And like, yeah. that's like a kind of slippery slope for me in terms of the magic. Like it does make sense in some regard that, the trauma would be connected to the shadow and how sometimes like what we learn about with that one shadow in particular. (laughs) (laughs) Good work around. (laughs) Thank you. And how a lot of the person's trauma was put onto the shadow. Yeah. That, that connection makes sense to me, but I didn't really like from a magical standpoint, that's the way to quicken a shadow. Like, yeah, and as you were saying, two points on that. One, as you were saying with Charlie being worried about Posey, she like comes home to find her like freezing in the bathroom, like outside of the tub because she had filled the tub with ice and she was trying to like drop her core body temperature to a traumatic level to quicken her shadow and then like gets out, realizes her shadow isn't quickened and then is like angry at herself. Like I should have stayed in for like a couple more minutes. I could have done a couple more minutes and I would have got my shadow. Like you're saying, you could see it would be a whole part of the internet, people trying to quicken yeah. the shadow and dying because yeah. we are idiots and that would be what happened. It seems like it's borderline enticing people to commit suicide. Yes. And that reminded me of, I saw Nern was reading this recently, The Vicious and Vengeful by V.E. Oh, yeah. where they figure out that the near-death oh. experiences are what give them superpowers in that book. Right. And kind of like how you die determines this or how you almost die determines right. the superpowers that you get like it kind of gave me that feeling where it was like okay i'm gonna like this really is so push risky. The envelope here. yeah it's like <laughs> let's not i would definitely not have a quick and shadow if i could if i had the choice i wouldn't be one of those i was like i'm just gonna like you know see how <laughs> yeah. long i can strangle myself before right? i decide to have a shadow like oh god that's uh, scary but again believable that, mm-hmm. that there would be people doing that so that moves us into our uh, surrounding cast or our supporting cast and that is charlie's sister posey and her boyfriend vince they all live together in kind of a crappy apartment and they're just making ends meet i was wondering what you thought of them it was like 
pretty obvious from the get-go that there was more to Vince than what we saw on the surface. I mean, Posey even called it out a few times and he was a little, a little sus just in terms of his normal everyday workings, but not in a, I don't know. I still felt like I wanted to trust him and like him, even though like we didn't really learn a lot about him. Yeah, I, uh, I liked I liked the character of Vince, and I felt like too. he deserved like how he presented himself, how he acted with both Posey and Charlie, how he like helped out around the house, how yeah. he paid more than his share of the bills, like how he treated them. It's yeah. Like, okay, I get that. There's obviously something in his past. There's a lot in his past. He doesn't want to talk about. He doesn't talk about his past. Okay, but he's not a bad dude. But he's not being a bad dude. And Charlie, right. who was also not telling him about her past. I felt like should have understood that more. And I know it's a little bit different if she's got Posey there kind of constantly chirping in her ear about there's something weird about him. Sure. And then there's the fact that Vince doesn't have a shadow, which uh, there are people, again, dealing with shadow magic and all that. There are people that steal shadows and sell them. Some people Uh, don't have them. So people don't have them. And when you don't have them, they say it like cuts off some of your emotions and feelings and kind of makes you not whole, which makes sense. There's a part of you missing. So- I can get that while Charlie is constantly being fed that she's constantly questioning Vince, but like it kind of bothered me. And this makes sense, I guess, with her character, not believing she's good enough and the family curse and all that. Her biggest reason not to trust Vince was that he was too good looking for her. That's yeah. like all she kept bringing up was like, guys like that don't fall for me. He's like a solid nine and I'm like a four and I don't know why he'd be with me. And it's like, okay, I get that. I get that there's insecurities there. And again, it makes sense with Charlie's character. But I felt like there should have been more to be as untrusting as she was, especially in the time they're together that we see that like time and time again, he is proving himself over and over again as being a great boyfriend and then some. And somebody who actually cares, not just like, yeah. Not using her, not trying to get her back to her old ways, you know, that stuff. It it felt like love. So that bothered me a bit. With Posey, I just like blinking flashing lights millennial millennial millennial. (laughs) big time it it kind of i felt like this was a misstep and maybe not with today's day and age we were talking about it before you know kids it's not kids until they're 18 now it's kids when they're 30 i thought it was weird when we found out posey was 25 i felt like a little bit old for her especially since they're dealing with the you know getting her into college or like you know trying to work out all of that i felt like the way she acted was more like 18. She's younger. I agree. Even with today's day and age. So shout out 25 year olds. You're doing it. But <laughs> I, I just thought with like how she stayed up all night watching YouTube, how like she yeah. basically like whatever she was doing of caffeine or other things to stay awake <laughs> and then sleep until the middle of day. Like she was getting in money by doing her tarot readings over Zoom. So shout out Zoom and pandemic life. But yeah, it, it felt like she was the one who I would that that's who I would be most questioning because she didn't really seem to be pulling her weight no not in my eyes and especially again Charlie's trying to do everything to get her the tuition to go to college and it just didn't seem like that was you know what they both exactly I was just gonna say it didn't seem to me like Posey was interested in going to college not unlike the only direction she really had in her life was just wanting to be a glomist Right. And like that's I mean, I guess with the situation the way it is that that is probably likely to be the case for a lot of people. But it was just disappointing that 
you know, Charlie's putting in all this effort for something like, did you guys even have a conversation about what Posey wants? Because you're putting all this effort into something that doesn't seem like she does care about going to school. It doesn't seem like, what is she even going to do at school? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of going back to my reference to influencers this day, these days. Like, that's just seemed like that's all she wanted. Like, yeah. and with a Glomist, you, you can make a ton of money through right. your magic, doing it for other people, doing jobs for people, whatever. So it's literally the same thing where people nowadays, they see, oh, these guys are like making 10 grand a day doing stupid stuff. I'm going to do stupid stuff. I'm going to be an influencer. It's like, okay, that's fine. That's- At some point you have to move on. You know, you, right? you're 25. You need to like have plan B, C, D, or E right now. <laughs> let's, let's, let's do something else here, Posey. So her character fit throughout, you know, it wasn't an issue with the writing. It was just out of all of them. I was like, why are we giving her such a pass? Yeah. And I, I don't know. She was just kind of like there when she needed to be, which makes sense from a narrative standpoint, but I definitely wasn't drawn to her in any other way than how important she was to Charlie. Exactly. Yeah. And you're right. She she came in when she was needed and she was needed for different things. So she, she was Can... part of the story for sure. But yeah, definitely, oh, definitely. Like she was the weak link. And like you were saying, I, I felt a connection to Charlie, obviously. I like wanted to know more about right. Lance with Posey. Yeah. It's more just like, nah, I'm annoyed by you. Yeah. Can we, though, just briefly touch on their cat, Lucifer? Lucifer. Because that's freaking amazing. Yeah, great. Great writing. Just, just to have Lucifer in there every once Lucifer. in a while. Um, so this wasn't in the rundown, but I did just thinking about it, want to touch on it. There was a prologue in this book, and I was wondering what you thought of that, because it was interesting. We deal with this boy named Remy and his shadow, who he names Red, and kind of their childhood uh, quick snippet of uh, image of their life together, and then immediately move to Charlie, and she becomes our main character. I was wondering what you thought of the prologue, and did it grab you, interest you, or was it more just like, oh, okay, later on, that kind of came back, and you're like, all right. Well, considering that I 100% had forgotten about that prologue, I'd say it didn't really stick with me. Yeah. Till you just mentioned it, I didn't even register that that had happened. I mean, obviously, knowing what I know after having finished the book, I think that it's it makes sense to have had something like that. But clearly, the rest of the book did what it needed to do because I didn't even remember it was a thing. Yeah, I felt like it was just her way of being like, here's, our world is different, you know, shadows, right. here's some shadow, you got to feed your shadow some blood every once in a while to to whatever, keep it quickened or whatever. I, I was like, okay. And then when we moved off of it, and then we didn't go back to for a while for a long, long time. So it's like, okay, well, I guess. It does seem kind of out of place. Yeah. And and again, like Charlie grabs you right away. So I thought that was fine. But maybe some people needed that bit of magic. Because again, Charlie is not, doesn't have shadow magic. So maybe that was. Yeah, I think from a like establishing shot kind of standpoint, something like that is helpful. Like this is the current environment. Read the room. Here's yeah. your story. <laughs> right. So, and it was only a couple pages, so it, it was what it was. But yeah, just an interesting little thing as we always find a need to critique those, or at least yeah. for sure. So we're going to get to spoilers, but before we do, we have your get to know your podcaster question. So in this world, you can push things or feelings um, that you don't want to deal with into your shadow so that they don't bother you anymore. We talked about also you could have alterationists change you uh, through your shadow and all that. So I was wondering... 
what you would add or change about your shadow if you had that ability or if you went to somebody to to get them to alter you somehow. So I wrote down that it gives me pretty serious Last House on Needless Street vibes in terms of like putting all of your bad shit in your shadow and that ending poorly because I feel like we maybe have seen that a couple of times in this book. So I definitely would be cautious about doing that because I think that would freak me out. And also, I feel like I'm not that type of person to be like, I don't know. I just, it it feels rude to be like, I don't want to deal with this. Here, you deal with this. But you're part of me. So kind of it's, I don't know. Anyway, I think I probably would have my shadow altered if it was quickened it would have wings 100 percent. because there was at least one person in the story that their shadow was letting them fly or helping them to fly and i was like that'd be fucking sick yeah that was a cool <laughs> thing where you could change it to be like an animal or something yeah. like that or add wings or something else to your shadow I, I did think that was a neat little touch as well and i think they said like Somebody would pay a bunch of money for it and they get to like, you know, a couple inches off the ground and be like, look at me. <laughs> the no, I would need like full on flying. That ability. was like, it sounded like the Hierophant had that, but that was a very yeah. powerful shadow. Um, you want to be attached to that. I do think that it would be cool, even just from like a visual standpoint, to have the shadow altered to look like the wings from um, like Gods and Monsters and that whole story yeah those shimmering um those were definitely well that would be (laughs) very cool for me i kind of feel the same way uh my first as far as it is a part of you we see that where if you get too personal with your shadow it can be a bad thing so i would just feel terrible being like here's all my trauma here's all my sadness here's all that i would give it my back pain uh apologize (laughs) through it but i feel like a shadow would be able to handle that handle it a lot more than me. Maybe we could like alternate days or something. You know, it's like, oh, today's your day with the <laughs> Work back. Work out pain. a schedule. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. But I would also like try to do things on my own. So like I wouldn't lose memories of like other people, but I would try to have like good moments by myself that then I could feed my shadow. So it's like, here's some good things that like if I don't remember doing it, it's okay. Cause it's not like your wedding day or like, you know, those big moments. But it's something to like be like, hey, here's some happy stuff. Like maybe you should be yeah. a happy shadow uh, because I, I just wouldn't want it to feel super bummed out all the time. I would want it to turn on me and be like, you're just using me for your trauma. Yeah, exactly. So I would also like feed it my anxiety every once in a while because I feel like that'd be nice mm. to also take a break from. Like, hey, I don't yeah. really want to have sweaty palms right now. Oh, this is weird. <laughs> you know. Can we do something about that? <laughs> could, could you just, could you have the sweaty palms for a bit? So I think it would be more like a temporary thing. Again, maybe not yeah. the back pain. That might be full-time shadow pain. But aside from that, I, I would try to really even out the scales for my shadow. I did find it interesting that the shadows feed on blood and not emotions or something more like ethereal. Does that make sense? Because it, it does seem to me like if you're giving a shadow, whether it be good or bad, memories or thoughts or whatever that that would be something that would sustain it you know what I mean like I don't know I just I feel like that would have been maybe more compelling because then you've got shadows that are 
potentially going to if they're fed like only shitty stuff they're shitty their soul is black and if they're fed only good things they're you know what i mean i just yeah. think that that would have made for some kind of interesting dynamic well it was interesting on the blood side because they mentioned you have to make sure you're only feeding it your blood because if it's taking mm-hmm. blood from other sources that could affect your relationship with your shadow that could change it right. to, to be more of somebody else uh which maybe you don't want anti-you yeah so there was definitely again a lot of just interesting little snippets that i feel like were kind of just peeling back the layers and not getting Mm -hmm. as as i would have wanted but Mm -hmm. if we did that the book would have been a lot longer so yeah you know is what it is probably would have affected that kind of easy read um that it was more in the weeds so on that note we will move into spoilers so let us know what you would add or subtract from your shadow how you would alter it i I do think that the imagery of having your shadow be a little different would be cool but also like weird at times too if it was just like oh there's uh like somebody had like a a cat or something like that as their shadow like that'd be like and then i could see my cat looking at that cat and being like what the fuck (laughs) anyway spoilers this is the part that we're going into spoilers if you don't know the book again because this is the part that we're going into spoilers it's time to learn what the secrets of the shadows are all about in spoiler charlie is assaulted at work by a man named hermes who believes she has the liber noctum or book of blight he is trying to kill her when vince steps up behind him and snaps his neck charlie overhears some of what vince says to hermes and realizes that he has been hiding a lot from her the next day she goes through his stuff and finds vince's real id and learns he is actually edmund vincent carver who is believed to have stole the book from his billionaire grandfather, Lionel Salt, before dying with another woman in a car fire over a year ago. When he gets home, they fight, and Vince leaves with all his stuff. Charlie's life is changing all around her now, with Vince leaving and her finding out that her shadow has quickened since her near-death experience and a life of magic is on the horizon for her if she can manage it correctly. Being scared of all the change, she goes back to what she is good at and gets incredibly drunk in the middle of the day after completing a side job. When she wakes up, she finds Lionel Salt is waiting for her outside her car and forces her into working for him to find the stolen book and to do it in five days' time. Now on the case, she decides her best chance to find it is to find Vince. She stalks out his college roommate and confronts him for more information about Vince's past. When she is leaving, she is attacked by Adam, the mark of her most recent side job who she was supposed to find but also ended up stealing an important magical book from. She races home to collect her sister, and the two make for her mother's motel to stay the night safely. The next day, she thinks more about Vince and the things she had found and decides that he must have hid the book in the chimney at their house. When she returns there after work that night, she sees a figure on the couch watching TV. She goes to where she believes the book is, but only finds an empty case with a note to her. She then goes inside to confront who she believes is Vince, only to find Adam brutally murdered in her living room. After dealing with the police, she goes on a different track to find Vince, but always seems a step behind him. As her deadline is approaching, she begins to think about Salt as more of a mark than a client and puts a plan into action. The night of the party when she is supposed to hand the book over, Charlie gets there early and sneaks in. Remembering the secret room she saw when she was 15 and almost killed in this house, she makes her way into Salt's private library. Here she is able to open the safe and finds the library noctum was never actually stolen. She then notices another button that opens a portion of the wall nearby. Heading down the corridor, she finds Vince held behind fire and onyx and now finally realizes what he is. He is not Edmund Carver, but he is his shadow-turned-blight after Edmund's death. 
He grew up with Edmund and was known as Red, but had been missing for over a year. Charlie makes her escape and then a grand entrance back into the party as if she just arrived, but not before meeting up with Posey outside and removing her own shadow so she couldn't be controlled. Charlie lays out the accusations against Salt, not only that he has murdered many people, but that he has used the Hierophant, one of the oldest and strongest blights, to do most of his misdeeds. As the Cabal of Glomus begin to take Charlie's side, a fight breaks out and the blight of the Hierophant breaks free. As Vince tangles with the other shadow, Charlie faces off with Salt. After exchanging blows back and forth, Charlie manages to cut Salt's shadow free of him. The shadow which was stolen and attached to Salt begins to attack him immediately as Charlie goes to help Vince. As the battle rages on, Vince is getting wounded but not giving up ground, and Charlie realizes he is pushing the other blight towards the fire. As he makes the final push of the shadow into flame, Charlie reaches out and grabs Vince's ankle with her onyx knuckles, solidifying him and protecting him from the fire. Afterwards, the Cabal tells her they need to sort it all out and she will be able to see Vince in three days. When the day arrives, she goes to find him at one of their houses and learns that Vince is to be the blight for the next Hierophant and that he is to be attached to Edmund's aunt, who is more like his sister because of their ages, named Adeline. Charlie ends up arguing with the Cabal and in the end gets her wish. Vince is attached to her instead and she will become the Hierophant for the Cabal. It all seems to go to plan until she leaves after having Vince attached to her. She learns that he has no memory of her or their time together. Charlie remains steadfast, saying if she could get him to love her once, she could do it again. So as Charlie is following leads and going through her investigation to find Adam, Vince, and then the book, I was wondering, as we talk about this in a lot of our mysteries, did you find the investigation believable? Um, I would say not unbelievable, but certainly easy. Like I was saying before, by my feelings about Charlie, she kind of was a down on her luck, but also really lucky person. Things just kind of feisty and bowed for her a bit. I feel like aside from that last fight at Salt's place and maybe the attack by Hermes at the bar, I feel like she or her peeps were like, I just didn't really feel like any of them were really at risk much. And then I just wrote down bows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I to put a percentage on it, of course, that seems rational. I said it was about 80% believable. Uh, <laughs> no, that's legit. She definitely followed leads and all that, but it definitely felt like there was a catch every once and again that it was like, oh, you know, she goes to the hotel where she knows Adam is staying and she's able to convince him that she's somebody else through a burner phone and, oh, he's not in the room. So I'm going to go in here and I like using her performance and kind of her con artist way, she does work to get into rooms and figure stuff out. But, you know, then she's smart enough to know exactly where that book is hidden. Doing a quick right. search, she finds the secret that he's holding. And then he comes, oh no, I'm gonna hide in the back. I'm in the tub. And I did appreciate that she like goes through her reasoning for like crouching uncomfortably rather than standing and maybe being seen or sitting and not being able to get up and run out. Like, yeah, that's a good point. Shows her experience there, but also it's like, I don't know, maybe she's just really smart too, or she's found herself in a lot of these situations. But she's like, I know if I call Doreen right now, his wife, she'll like call his room immediately and get him to like run out of here. And he'll like take a piss in the bathroom, but he won't look in the shower, you know, and nothing will seem out of place, et cetera. There's just some of that where I was like, okay, it does fit, but kind of like you're saying, it's a little too... it fits a little yeah. too nicely. Where yeah. I think it'd be more believable if, like, there's some kind of altercation with Adam and he runs out. But, like, and then it doesn't even matter 
because Adam knows it was her. So it's not like yeah. she stopped a consequence from happening. She just right. laid Adam beating the shit out of her. <laughs> right. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the 80% thing is valid. <laughs> and like the whole, oh, I'm going to see salt as a uh, Mark instead of a client. And now I'm going to realize that the book never left his house and all this stuff. I was like, okay, like I can understand that. Sure. But I definitely did not make all the connection she made for why that made sense and everything and, and how that was all going to work out. And it just so happens again, bows on bows on bows. It's a smaller yeah. town, I guess, in Western Mass. So, you know, her friend who she doesn't see that often, but, you know, is still good enough friends with happens to be on the catering job for that night so that she can get in kind of looking like one of the caterers through him, you know, blah, blah, blah. Again, just a lot of that stuff that was a little too neatly tied up. Yeah. For it to make sense. And then like the cops too, just taking her side on everything, like the multiple run-ins with cops. And they're like, well, this makes sense. And obviously she's not going to rip apart a guy's whatever. Uh, You know, they talked about how how graphic the Hierophant would be with their victims. So it makes sense that she wouldn't really do that, especially in her own home. But like, okay, now you have Hermes. Then that where the cops, she had to deal with the cops there with a dead body. Or I guess they got rid of the body, but she still had to deal with the cops there. And then with Adam and his dead body, should deal with cops there. And it's just like, it's again, just bows on bows on bows to to make our story work for yeah. our private investigator. Right. So that moves us to Vince and the truth about him. What did you make of Vince going back to the prologue? If you haven't read this, he is our shadow from the prologue red, but is a stronger blight than any we've ever really seen before. And kind of all that, how that worked out. What'd you, what'd you make of that? So one thing of note, and maybe I just like missed the explanation for this, but blights come about because, because why? Like, how do they exist? So a blight is any shadow that is removed from a person. Okay. So even like when she goes to the tattoo parlor or whatever it was to talk to Raven about the book that was stolen from Night Singh. She, she's like feeding blood to those little like little blights that she then uses to right. attach to herself because with the work she does I think as an alterationist because that's the only thing I can remember it like uses pieces for her so like she collects tiny not very powerful blights to bring them back so I'm pretty sure blights as it sounds scary and all that is there's like a wide range of of their actual power so it's like if somebody has died their shadow can live on as a blight I, yes, I think it can if it's removed or if okay. it has the ability to be removed. I don't think it always does because they told that story about the the famous guy, who I forget his name, that he was like really a great inventor or something like that. But then at that fair, he dies or his blight became too powerful and then kills him. But like his blight after he died killed a hundred other people, like the massacre. And that's right, what they always right, talked right. about. But I thought I understood, like, I thought something happened and he died suddenly, like a heart attack or something. And then his blight was just released. It, and then later on, they were talking about it. And it sounded like his blight killed him or his shadow killed him, then became a blight and killed everybody else. So that was a little bit more of the murkiness of the magic yeah. you touched on earlier that I felt like was in there. Yeah. And I feel as though it's hard for me to say that I saw everything coming with Vince and Red and whatnot because I don't really feel like I understood the whole blight scenario like the like you were mentioning before the prologue I think was helpful 
and some of the like things of the past, those chapters where we went back in time were helpful in terms of, I think Red and Edward had a very different relationship. It was quite clear than most people have with their shadow. And honestly, that's probably the kind of relationship I would also have. I'm an only child. So I probably would have like gravitated towards like, like this shadow is part of me, but also like, it's my friend. I would have given it a name. I would have given it that I mean, maybe not on purpose, but some autonomy that Red had that other Blight's other shadows don't have. And I think that the way that they made him, the way that Red was corporeal, (laughs) was really cool. I mean, obviously it sucks that Edward died because they were really close. They were actually, I feel like they loved each other, the shadow and, and him. And I think that maybe is a rare thing. Like a shadow to most other people is probably just a tool. Salt talks about that with how Edmund was brought up when he goes by Remy, I guess is like a family nickname, but he, because he was such a lonely child because his mother was a drug addict and not the best living situation. He did exactly what you're saying. He had his imaginary friend was red. And not only did he put his blood into him, but he put so much more into him and gave him that personality where when he comes to live with salt and he's a, like uh, 13 or something like that salt immediately notices that this shadow is so unlike any that he's ever seen uh and and that's kind of how that grows as they continue to grow and now salt is experimenting on them to see how far he can push it as well as remy is given more and more of his own consciousness almost yeah and i i don't know i think the way that it was written was neat because it was pretty clear for a while it was like taking you in the direction of vince is remy in disguise and then when you're learning that he's actually you know for a while people are thinking that remy's death was faked and vince is just like undercover whatever and that did make sense like that did track but then when you learn that red is actually the shadow or i'm sorry that vince is actually red then it just adds so much more like what the fuck (laughs) to it Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like what you're saying, where before that, when even when they were talking about blights, or they were describing people's shadows, I pictured it as a shadow. Yeah. So this came at you. Okay. And even like with Hermes attacking her and like his his shadow became corporeal and, and hit her. I still but just for like little bits of it, not like and also I I pictured just this chat like a, a solid shadow like instead yeah. of being gaseous it was solid and it right. could hit something to then learn that vince is red and yeah okay there's something weird about him but like skin tone like and i think that she did say something i was just gonna say like body heat but i think that she did say something about how he usually isn't very warm like to the touch yeah maybe i i don't i don't remember maybe that. I'm wrong it, that it is possible it's just uh, if, if a solid shadow came at me i would know it was a solid shadow so yeah. even with red being what he was and we do learn that edmund put in like his dying breath and like all his blood after salt stabbed him and like that is what made red or vince super corporeal i still don't see that being where he could now pass as a man as a human yeah exactly and like we touched on it as we were reading the description last episode for this book the sexy times now it wasn't super i could read it let's put it that way so it wasn't very in your face sexy times but 
that's the part that got me. I'm like, how do you fuck a shadow and not know, is there, not to be graphic, but is there body fluid? Is there like, did any of that stuff? Like, I know Vince is, you know, missing his shadow and, you know, so there's some break in emotions there, whatever, but he still seems like a very loving partner and they talk about their passion and all that. And it's like, okay, so how does that work? And how, like Charlie's experience. So how how are you not like, well, this is different. It just blew my mind that side of it. And that I feel like it's either one or the other. Like Remy gave up all of his blood, all of his like life force and into red right on his like deathbed. Right. So it would make sense to me that red could turn corporeal and be a solid human looking dude because he's effectively taken on. I mean, he looks exactly like Remy. That's like part of the thing. Right. Um, But then to later on be able to turn back into a shadow. That's the part I don't get. Like if he's given, if Remy has given him everything, then he should be a real boy and not be able to reshadowify. You know, that, that was the part that really like got me confused because I feel as though why aren't, I don't know, not why aren't more people doing that because then they have to die. But like, why aren't shadows taking that from their people does that make sense it does and that does i think in her defense go to like the glomist side of things where like this whole the whole book the libranoctum the reason they're looking for it is supposedly it can give the blight the ultimate power and maybe it is giving it this solidifying force we're not really sure we also find out that's a lie that's bullshit spoilers but it does make sense that kind of going back to where they were before this last few decades how if there was something like that a glomus would keep it secret so i can understand right. how like, even the shadows probably don't know because no, i know. assume they don't know separate from what their glomus knows maybe they do well, i don't know we never really got into their consciousness as far as right and i do feel like the remy and red scenario was so different from everything else because like we were talking about before he treated it not like a tool it was a friend it was a it was another person another being somebody that he cared about somebody that cared about him and i don't necessarily think even other glomists even if they're experimenting or trying to learn new things are going to have had that level of experience over that long of time yeah where i could totally understand how that would affect the magic it would be different in a scenario where somebody's named their shadow and they care for it and they do all this other stuff and so that changes the rules kind of thing and it was interesting too, because we do see it a little bit with Posey after she is given her, after she's given Charlie's shadow, like the shadow even kind of like wraps around her comfortingly, like giving her- Like hug- Charlie would yeah. if she yeah. were. So I could see like Posey creating this kind of shadow as well. I guess it is just that you have to give them, again, like we were saying in the Get to Know Your Podcaster question, we wouldn't want to feed them all of our bad parts, but if right. that's kind of how everyone's done it, you know, obviously reading this book gives us an inside peek, but if that's how everyone's always done it, then that's how they're going to keep doing it. Like you keep harping on, like they they were seen as a tool. Hey, Shadow, yeah. go break into that house. Hey, Shadow, go kill that guy. Hey, right. Shadow, do what you're told. Do this for me. Whereas, yeah, Red is brought up like an imaginary friend. And then as Salt is using Remy and Red to do his work and, and it's affecting Remy so much, Red is like, hey, why don't you just like cut me free i'll go do it you don't have to deal with that and like you don't have to deal with any of it and and that's another thing that salt's amazed by 
uh, and very upset about, we learned that Remy and Red are hiding this stuff from him uh, because that's a that would be an incredible break yeah. to learn that the shadow can leave and come back on its own. Like, again, taking away that thoughtless tool and turning it into an actual consciousness that can make its own decisions and be ra- uh, reasoned with. Yeah, the like, conceptually really, really cool stuff. And I, I really liked Red. <laughs> Same. And we saw that too with the history where mm. when... Charlie is doing her cons as a teenage girl with the family friend and mm. they go to Salt's mansion to do a con. Little do they know they're getting conned. And then because she was planning this violent vomiting of beet juice to look like blood, she does that and they think they killed her with too many drugs. So she is like there faced out on this rug. That's how she sees kind of the inner library and all the secret ways into that and everything but some voice comes and gets her out of there and like tells her you know don't look if you look you know it'll be over and i'll give you away whatever and and gets her to safety as a 15 year old i liked that that was red mm-hmm. i kind of had a feeling that it was red honestly as you're reading it especially there's only so subtle of a way they'd be like, you can't look at me, you know, and like, be like so well, for a minute, I thought it could here. have been Remy, but then I, like the heavy handedness of like, don't look, don't look. Yeah. It was, yeah. But I, I, I did enjoy that. And then how it plays back into that, but kind of both ways, first of all, with Vince, you know, what Red becomes and his connection to Charlie, you know, he even mm-hmm. mentions that when she asked him, like, I knew right away that night right. in the bar, I knew who you were. But also then to make sense for Charlie and how she can screw over Salt in the end. I did like that too. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice like connecting thing, circling back around. Which was good and obviously needed. But I will say like when we first started going back in the past, I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to do I know. This. It wasn't super present exciting. Time. But it did uh, obviously. It was helpful. In the I- end. did also appreciate at the end when Salt's downfall and how... The guy who like taught her how to con ran Rand? when he was like, basically everything came out that Salt had done and he was like resolved of all of those, all the things people assumed he had done. They were all like, oh, he, he got murdered pretty brutally. And to have people like thinking that he was a super bad guy on top of that was rough. So it was nice to just have a little closure there. It's not like. Charlie really cared about him, but I do feel like he didn't mistreat her. He was a little con artisty and a little bit shitty in how he took advantage of people. But yeah, he is found dead in his car with the body of like a missing girl and also dead in his trunk. So which he like, had nothing to do with. Yeah. So everyone was like, oh, he obviously like, what did he do to Charlie? Like, you know, all that stuff. So it did definitely put some some bad on his even more bad on his name than just being a con artist. Right. So it was nice to see you know, <clears throat> saying as salt is kind of as the truth is learned, it does absolve Rand and a bunch of other people as well, even Edmund, uh, which people had questions about what happened to him they right. learned the truth about him and that he's not actually a bad guy um so that was nice kind of getting there with everything that happens at the end and the big party and our resolution with salt i was wondering what you thought of that of the build-up how it was all laid out how it worked out etc so i wrote down bows the safe breaking was cool and the cabal sucks those were my <laughs> notes for that question But yeah, like it was very bows on bows. I did appreciate that in the outset of the sort of heist, I guess I'll call it, when 
Charlie's removing her shadow and giving it to Posey. I didn't necessarily see what was coming in terms of, cause I didn't remember that a person without a shadow couldn't be controlled. Yeah. So that was like a nice little like score one for Charlie because salt was surprised and that was really satisfying. But there were moments like that where, yeah, she broke into the safe. It was really tough, but she managed to do it because she's super freaking smart. And there's like the two, there's the dial and the keypad. And then when they're, when the whole cabal is like watching it happen again and she's like i just played to his like having to be in control it just was all very tied yeah the, the again she mentions i started looking at him as a mark instead of a client and like that's how she knew to do those things like solid on her i found it frustrating that like even without knowing what salt had been up to recently like they had always been keeping him out of the cabal because the cabal of glomus like kind of make the rules for that area and that's a big deal and salt is this like billionaire douchebag he clearly has shady shit going on yeah everyone's like he's a douchebag i want to ride in his cool rolls royce but he's obviously a douchebag and then night singh who was part of the cabal is murdered and everyone's like well let's just bring in this guy he had nothing to gain from that obviously so he didn't do it that was frustrating but it did lead to the point of charlie like knowing not only would salt being the mark that he is be that kind of douchebag but also the cabal would be that douchebag and they would be like well we're gonna trust this guy because obviously he's trustworthy even though we haven't for his entire life but we're going to believe him over you, this girl who, like, somehow knows who has the actual tricks. proof. The one, yeah. Like, she knows the tricks to get into his fucking secret study, even though she's supposedly never been here. And But it's because she's the charlatan and a well-known thief, so obviously she can't be trusted either. That was kind of annoying. I did appreciate that, she, again, she saw it coming. So she leaves the notebook of Night Singh in the safe to show that, well, if I hadn't been in here and I'm not telling the truth, then you obviously had something to do with Night's death. The, I didn't see that coming. That was no. the that I was like, holy shit, well done. And I also appreciated how with like the detaching her shadow and the leaving the book and knowing that he was going to set the alarm off when she was trying to open the thing, that all of those things were stuff that like, we as the reader didn't know she, you know, she, as she was breaking into the safe, she didn't say, and I'm going to leave this book in here for later. It was like a, we all get to discover. I don't know. It's just a good, good writing style. Yeah, it was. And it kind of, it gave you that moment of suspense too, as she's hmm. going through the safe the first time. And she's like, I'm going to push this button. It's like, well, maybe you should get out of there. <laughs> and then she like finds Vince so we can have that whole understanding of the story and all that. And then Adeline comes in and she hides from her. And it's like, okay, like it was that building of like, oh, she's going to get found out. And then she doesn't. And then whatever, it keeps moving on from there. But I did appreciate also that there was those hints of when Vince breaks free, he like, she had found the the pieces in that other hotel room where he had been staying, where he had like made the fake Onyx handcuffs. Like she right. found like, the resin residue and like the clay or whatever there's like pieces of the art supplies that he had used so it wasn't like well wait you didn't explain that it was like oh no that was there we just didn't know what it was for in other right. pieces so i think she did well giving us little carrots but it didn't necessarily mean we knew right what it was for which right neither did uh charlie so that made sense um as well so the last we then move on to the big fight scene what did you think of this as our climatic bit i thought it was 
I don't know, cute. <laughs> like, yeah. even you said I- it earlier um, with, you know, you were never really scared for Charlie and the others, uh, except for maybe those times. Like, at that point, I wasn't. It didn't feel like there was any kind of real stakes. The only stakes would be maybe Vince doesn't make it. I mean, he's fighting a blight that they att- they attach to this these criminals, basically, to be the Hierophant. The Hierophant is part of the Cabal, but he is used just to hunt down other blights. But this one is, like, 200 years old and super pissed and angry and all-powerful. And Vince is, you know, a different kind of blight, but still you know, maybe 30 years old, if that. And he's yeah. been in a great relationship with his, uh, you know, shadow holder up until recently. <laughs> and it just seemed like a bit of a stretcher, again, bows on bows on bows, that it's like, I'm going to be able to, you know, take this and show that I'm the good guy fighting off the Hierophant's Blight at, at the same time. It was just, again, I never even thought that Vince would die, which is kind of sad. I mean, and like, I don't know, it felt like even if he did... I don't not die, but I just, yeah, it, it felt to me like the stakes were relatively low for how intense things were. I mean, I was, I think, more concerned for Charlie when she was like breaking into the safe and stuff. I was like, this isn't going to go as well as she thinks it is. And then it did, of course. <laughs> but yeah, the, the end fight scene was also a little bit difficult to to visualize, like with all the different Cabal's shadows, like one was a cat, one was some other, like... One had a sword. All, yeah, yeah one, one was totally, was it the Hierophant? There was somebody that was flying because they fell from a really, like it broke a coffee table or something. Anyway, it (laughs) was just a mess. It was kind of a Charlie Foxtrot of a fight, but I guess it needed to happen. Yeah, I think it was it was nice to have Salt have an end. Obviously, oh my gosh, yes, the piece of shit douchebag that he was. And I did appreciate her little moment there where they're trading back and forth blows, and then she just releases his shadow from him to be like, "Hey, such a smooth move." I know somebody else who hates you. Yeah. That was that was great and a way to get an upper hand on him because he could use the shadow as long as it was attached to him to help him in the fight. So I did appreciate that. But yeah, the fight with the Hierophant, again, just part of the issue with visualizing Vince, as you were saying, him going from solid to not solid. Okay, now what does he look like? Is he still Is he just a shadow? Like, how can he grow? Because the Hierophant was like like a man fighting a shadow. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it was just a lot of that where it's like, okay, and and he's getting like pieces ripped out of him and whatever. But he's just like, again, holding his ground, pushing forward, moving him towards the fire, because we do learn that, you know, fire and onyx are the two things that you need to to fight shadows. So I don't know. It just it had to happen, like you were saying, but without the stakes. And really, like, I think part of it, too, is like whatever happens here, it's not going to work out great for Vince anyway, because I'm just going to let him walk out of here. You knew that from the get go. Maybe that was part of it, too, where it's like, well, maybe it's better he dies a hero. Yeah, I mean, he was fully expecting to, so. Yeah, and then, nope, she saves some cute little, I grabbed your leg, my onyx, <laughs> welcome. And and honestly, even if you're solid, fire would still hurt you, so. Oh, yeah, the same, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you have skin, it's gonna, should react like skin. What? That's yeah. crazy. No. Uh, so that leads us to the end. I was just wondering if you saw any of that coming with her, with Charlie becoming the Hierophant and having Vince attached to her. As soon as they, like when she went to What's-His-Face's house where Vince was being held yeah, um, yeah. and Adeline was there and like explaining things, I was like, mm, that's not going to happen. It's going to be Charlie. <laughs> 
Well, when they were describing like that whole situation, I didn't necessarily think she was going to like volunteer to be attached to him. I kind of assumed she was going to like kidnap him, <laughs> spirit him away. Yeah. Um, so it does make sense that she would be like, nope, this is what we're doing instead. Yeah, as soon as she she didn't get her shadow back from Posey. Like, I think mm. that's when they have that moment of the shadow wrapping around Posey and like being like, this thing is mine now. I was like, oh, she's going to like collect Vince that way. And again, just knowing that like they weren't going to let him walk out. I didn't see them trying to push it on Adeline, saying that like Adeline had done enough wrong being kind of an accessory to what was going on with Salt. That she deserved to be the Hierophant. So I didn't see that coming, but I fully expected that's where she was going to go. Again, just another bow to put in her hat. Was interesting, again, I, I'm sorry to go back and harp on this again, that they still have time to fuck before anything else happens. And it's like, you know he's a shadow now. Like, again, I was just like, okay. I mean- How does this work? <laughs> love is love, but I just don't know how that works. Yeah, and it was kind of cool how he had lost bits of himself. So like his eyes were now like smoking when he opened up, um, which is just creepy visually. Okay, I don't weird. know yeah. I do that. Maybe throw some blood up there to make his eyes solid again. But yeah. uh, it, it was nice that it? there were some repercussions at least to his battle. Yeah, well, and then when she was, like, deciding to, when they attach him to her, and they're like, you're gonna have this, this is gonna be your shadow now, I was like, are they gonna still bang? (laughs) Like, is that gonna be possible? Does she have to have separated him? Is he gonna have to do, like, learn to do what he did with Remy and, like, separate or can they, I don't know. I mean, that's that's what I fully expected. So, some credit there uh, I, like I said I did like the fact that it wasn't all happily ever after mm-hmm. that after they're attached they're in the car and, and Red is like well I don't even know who you are like this is just weird why are you not Remy cool but I didn't think that made sense like how is this again like you're saying with Remy and Red they had attached and detached so many different times and I know it's still going back to the same person so there's that but also we touched on before when Vince first sees her in the bar, he remembers her from the house when she was 15. So how does that work if he's now been on his own? And he like, she mentions that he like talks about how he was confused and lost when like after, after Remy, dies, Remy died, Red, like the first thing he remembers is being under an overpass or something like that. Cool. But also then he goes to talk to Remy's ex-college roommate to get him to sell some books for some money. And, so like, I... I totally agree. When I first read that, I was like, that's it. That's what you're giving me as the literal like last couple sentences. But I also kind of felt like it was reminiscent of some amnesia type thing where or temporary scenario where because of this, as I like you said, they used to attach, detach and reattach so frequently it couldn't be that that's the cause. So was it just that it was like a traumatic thing? Like that's a little weird too. So it didn't really make sense that he wouldn't remember. And if he wouldn't, rem- if he didn't remember, it would have been like a quick, uh, just a just a small moment moment where then things would have come back to him. I do feel like though that that was a decent hook for potential future stories. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you mentioned that before that Goodreads says this is book number one. Maybe there's more coming down the line. It didn't say anything about that in our research source, that is Wikipedia. But if that's the case, then I, 
kind of hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I I hate that it would be just that amnesia. But again, like you just think back to all the other situations we've had with her cutting Salt's shadow free being like, I know somebody else who hates you. Sure, maybe the shadow has done some stuff for Salt that it didn't like. But if the shadow didn't remember its life before Salt, why would it bother killing That's just how it always was. Yeah. Or maybe it didn't want to like being used as a tool. Fine, whatever. It just, there were so many of those snippets in here parts that you use to for this story throughout that doesn't make sense when a shadow is removed and brought to somebody else that they don't remember because again we have shadow stealers and people that just cut shadows free and bring them to other people and like what posey's going through with the quicken shadow that's how a lot of people get their magic shadows is it's attached from somebody else so why aren't there more like shadow related deaths like hey i don't i don't know you why are you here boom shadow's gonna like suffocate you as we talked about it i started hating it whereas before i was like oh cool it's not happily ever after it's not your fault i'm just saying if that's like a gimmick used for like oh we'll continue on but if it is some kind of amnesia thing it's stupid and if it's not some kind of amnesia thing where that's just how it works then it doesn't make sense so it's one of those things where you can't have it both ways and again uh, through the editing process how is somebody not like how does that work and that's the thing like for me when my first reaction when I finished the book was there's no epilogue like I was fully expecting there to be one because I also didn't recognize that it was a book one of whatever but it did feel like you know oftentimes we talk about getting an epilogue in a book that doesn't necessarily feel like it needs one and it's not that it felt like it needed one but it could have been helpful in this regard especially if it wasn't happily ever after but I guess there's probably way too much there to to have it just be an episode. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be two pages, you know, it yeah. would be another chapter or two or whatever. Right. Just overall, that was again, if you're reading it just as a story, you're like, oh, okay, it wasn't happily ever after. Great. But if then you have to talk about it on a podcast and you start dissecting right. it, you're a little bit more like, wait, <laughs> that doesn't really work. Right. Weird. Yeah. So on that note, the only other thing I had for additional spoilers was the millennial gets her wish. And Posey gets a magic shadow. And then in the brief part, I forget how we get, probably in the three days between the whole fight and when she can see Vince, I think Charlie mentions like, oh, she's spending a lot of time at UMass. Not yeah, to with class that guy. or anything, but to hang out with that guy that they met who's doing the research. And I think there's a little- Probably, yeah. Seems to be a lot of dinners involved in this study. So I guess that's a notice to all influencers. Just like keep waiting and eventually you're- older you're gonna get everything give you something that you wanted yeah and i did like appreciate that at least posy didn't immediately like hate her sister but she did kind of have those moments where she was like you get everything i want yeah you had no desire for that shadow and you get it not me and it's like i could totally see charlie just doing that like here you have it like i don't yeah want it yeah this is more trouble than it's worth (laughs) yeah Um, i agree did you have anything else for spoilers I mean, the only other thing, but we kind of touched on it. My like bonus question was, where was all the sexy time kink? Like, <laughs> I like the fact that more than one thing on the book cover said something about it. I, it's not that I was ex- wanting it, but based on that, I was expecting to see it in there, and pretty much never. I mean, yes, they had sex, but it was not graphic in any way. And it wasn't, aside from it being a shadow, it wasn't weird. And there was nothing about the sex that made it seem like it was sex with a shadow. 
Yeah, and there was that little bit of talk where where she worked, um, her boss, the owner of the club, oh, was like a, so there was yeah. like a little bit of that conversation in there too. But yeah, it was nothing that even made me blush. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't feel like that was warranted in, no. in putting it on the back. I, I maybe it gets people that want to read that, but then I feel like they're going to be disappointed if that's what they're looking for, right? If that's what they're going on, uh, signing up for. I do feel. As though, aside from the gore aspect of this book, this very easily could have been a YA story. Like, I don't really feel as though this was particularly adult. I mean, again, there were a couple of pretty gruesome deaths, but I don't know, like... Yeah, I I feel the same way. And we touched on it before. Like, that makes me wonder what her YA is like. Yeah. There were some adult themes in here, just not very much. Right. Uh, so what does that mean about that? And like that kind of, I, I didn't know that that series with the Cruel Prince or whatever it was, was YA. Because again, the covers, it looks very cool. And, and I've seen it, it in fiction. a lot of places. Yeah. It looks like high fantasy for adults. Uh, so yeah. that is actually a little bit of a turnoff for me where it's like, oh, I don't really know how that's going to work out. But also that being her usual medium. Maybe she you know, is. Maybe she does it really well because you can yeah. do YA really well and still have people read it. Look at literally all the series that turn into movies <laughs> right <laughs> so there is that yeah um not much sexy times not much skimming or skipping needed so if you're here for that sorry folks sorry yeah that's gonna disappoint you maybe we'll get you another time so <laughs> probably not <laughs> probably not so um on that note we are going to move out of spoilers and moving out of spoilers but not away from the book we have to give this our grade our grading system is based on a dnd d20 one is bad 20 is good and then we add or subtract a skill or modifier bonus to give it our final grade and and then we go from there so on that note taja you are up first this episode what did you think of it um so i gave it a lucky number 13 as my straight roll Partially because the theme of luck. <laughs> I felt like there was a lot of it in there. And like we've been talking about, it was an enjoyable story. I didn't have moments where I was eye-rolling characters or scenarios. There was lot. There was a lot of good things about the writing. And then I'm going to give it a plus two for sleight of hand. All of Charlie's skills and Red's, like, I put in air quotes, deception. I don't really think that that's an accurate statement i mean he was just trying to be what did he he said something to charlie that she kept like going back to about how it wasn't that he was telling lies it's that he what he was saying he wanted to be true yeah it was something about like it it doesn't matter like i wish who i showed you was who i really am or something like that that's who i wish i was but i'm not right and i i don't know i i so i charlie's sleight of hand was like purposeful in that she was trying to fleece her marks and reds was more purposeful in terms of just having a desire to be a normal good boy yeah a real boy nice Uh, that's a 15 total yeah so uh right about there with you so for me i gave this a roll of 14 and i gave it some bonus points for we kind of touched on this and we touched on it with galant a while ago where if we had it read schwab it probably would have graded worse but we really love her work so it's like well this is just the story it didn't really do anything else for me 
And this is kind of that with Holly Black, but we don't have any experience with her. So to me, it's like, well, this is a story. So it probably would have been a little lower, but there were a couple of things I really liked about it. The fact that the shadow magic I thought was incredibly Im imaginative uh, and, and original and kind of how they, how she used that. I do wish it was explained a little bit better, but it is what it is. Uh, again, the book flowed really well. And maybe if you add all that detail, it doesn't flow as well. So you kind of take it and leave it. The fact that we're dealing with magic in our world, like you touched on in the beginning here, where it was a newish magic, but it made sense for why it was newish. It had always been there, but now it was kind of being shared more. And it wasn't just Merlin and his great beard and that kind of magic. <laughs> it was kind of something that made sense with our times. So that was, again, another point for it I thought was really cool. And then the fact that it was Western Mass, like the fact that there was like Holyoke and Chicopee and Bay State this and that. And I was like, oh, my God, that's that's an right hour away from us. Yeah. That's super cool. Because anytime you want me to like something, like if, if a song or a book or anything is like New Hampshire, like Harlan does it every once in a while, where his characters will go to Vermont yeah. or New Hampshire. Yeah. That's us. We made it because I've traveled a lot. And there's a lot of people in this country that don't know where states. It's like, oh. hey, you're from New Hampshire. What country's that in? It's like yours. This I've one. I've had a lot of people ask me what state Vermont is in. So yes. Oh, oh or it's always like, oh, that's New England. It's like, well, yeah. And they're like, the capital of New England's Boston. It's like, well, that's five states. You know, <laughs> uh, a whole 10% of the union. That works. <laughs> Anyway, yes. Ask me. So I gave it some some extra an extra point for that too. So it probably would have been lower, but I did really appreciate those things. It was a story that had some creativity, some uniqueness, and some love of the home states. So for me, I was thinking sleight of hand too, but I did at the last second go plus one for performance because I was thinking mm -hmm. kind of the cons and also what you said, everyone, not everyone, but our main characters are pretty much performing to be who they want to be or who they think people want them to be and trying to push away their past. So I thought that made sense. And kind of what we touched on before, if Goodreads would ever get partial stars, I oh. think this was a solid like three and a half yeah. stars at most where it's like, it's worth reading. Mm -hmm. It's not going to blow your mind. It might give you some creative spurs where it's like, Oh, Hey, that's a cool idea. Oh, I didn't think of that that way, whatever. So that's neat. But it's not the first thing I would recommend. And honestly, the reason we're covering it, this kind of has been a lot of places. I feel like it's all over the internet and you see a lot on Holly Black. So that that was definitely why it drew us in. And like I said, it was a good story, but it was just a story. And, and it's not, I don't think, something that's going to have staying power. No. Kind of related it to Ninth House, where... If there is a second book in this and someday it comes across for a couple dollars in the cheap bin, maybe I'll pick it up and read it. Maybe not. I mean, it's it's fine. Again, it's a story. And when your TBR is 50 books deep, <laughs> you kind of got to be uh, exclusive about what you're reading. Yeah, so yeah. double 15s from us. Again, not bad, but do with that as you will. So now we're going to finish up with our usual segments. We are going to start with current selection. What have you been reading or listening to? Um, I've been listening to some of the books from my random recommendation. So I'm going to hold off on telling you about those. Let's see. What else? I think that's kind of it. Yeah, because I read this one really quickly. And then I've been audiobooking pretty hard lately i did take another look at my tbr though and it's it's too big yeah i have like 
double double height or not double height double stacking in two different shelves they're too deep and they're totally full there's books like on top going a different way it's a mess I just need to like slow my roll I had to reorganize our entertainment center because we have two things that have doors on them and I moved yeah. everything that was in the entertainment system to behind one door and now I'm using the other compartment to put over stock of books overflow yeah, yeah, so I could get my TBR and my three different shelves kind of back in order. <laughs> it's really tough to get rid of books, you know? It is. It is. Well, I finished um, Autumn Republic. I think I hadn't finished that when we did our last one. You hadn't. Were you uh, happy with the outcome? Yeah. I mean, the whole scenario was good. I mean, I cried when that guy died. Yeah. <laughs> but like... Yeah, I mean, I think overall, it was a really awesome story. I think I like Crimson Campaign the best, though, the middle one. Yeah. That one was like very, had me very edge of the seat. It was, it was, yeah. There was a lot of action and suspense in that one, for sure. It's yeah. kind of the the hunting, be, the hunted became the hunt, the yeah. hunters became the hunted and then dealing with that. And you're like, edge of your seat, like you're saying, and you're learning yeah. secrets and stuff like that along the way. I think it was not your typical middle book where sometimes the middle's the throwaway. I thought it was very well done. Yeah, I agree. And I just, I am so happy that you found that other one of his because I'm so curious to read more of that world is fascinating. And I think he, he makes some really compelling characters. I did go down a little bit of a rabbit hole um, on Goodreads with people's reviews or maybe it was on Audible somewhere with reviews and not everybody liked it. And I was like, really disappointed that it was getting like some of the things people said about it and like some of the female character stuff that people were talking about i was like why do you have a problem with this i will fight them fight right them. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what i've been reading for me you go two and a half days without power you got some time to read a lot of books uh i did read a couple things i read uh anxious people by frederick backman that one was interesting it came home really well but it took me longer to get into just because of the way he chose to write it it was okay. kind of all over the place and it was like you know the movie vantage point where you see like the same thing happening but it's like mm. a bunch of different people's perspectives he was doing that where like you were getting it wasn't just one solid storyline it was like here's this person here's this person here's this person it all centers around um a bank okay. robbery that isn't a bank robbery and maybe is more of a hostage situation so you're dealing with like the different hostages you're dealing with the bank robber you're dealing with the police but kind of in not always naming them ways like the bank robber this day did that and like this person who was there did that and they have a connection to this thing that happened whatever so it took longer to get into as all those lines are coming together but man it came home real well and i cried like three different times uh at different points in the ending because he's so good at the heartwarming uh, yeah, he is. so that's a solid one i'm gonna send up to you at some point and then I read Nightmares, which was by Jason Siegel and Kristen Miller. This is just a YA, but they had written some stuff together before another series that I enjoyed. So I saw it at my dump for free. So I figured, what the hell? And then it was a snow day. So I knew I could read it pretty much in a day because it was easy reading. So it was, it was a cute little book. There, I guess nice. there's more in the series. If I come across them the same way, I'll pick them up. And then the last one I want to talk about, I just finished the other day, was Promise Me, which is book eight of the Myron Bolotar series. It was in real time, I guess, Harlan had taken like five or six years off from Myron. So it was his return to it. Ooh. And very solid. I did not get it right, which which was fun. So I did enjoy that. I always enjoy when he can trick me. And yeah. as I'm working through Myron, it's fun to get 
closer and closer to present day and newer technology. Oh and, my gosh. And yes. all that. Yeah. We're no longer using Rolodex and pagers, uh, <laughs> pay phones. So uh, there, there is that as we are moving up in the years. So I did read something else, but I'm gonna hold it for my random recommendation next episode as we can't talk about all the books at once because we'll run out of things to recommend. And right. on that note, Taja, what do you got for us this episode? So my random recommendation is um, a series of books that I've been reading and I've been talking about in my current selection section of things, Um, but it's King's Dark Tidings. It's a series of five books. I'm on the fourth right now. It's called Kingdoms and Chaos. It's by Kel Cade. And if you're, I mean, I am audiobooking them. And if you have Audible, if you do that, I absolutely recommend it. It is narrated by a guy, his name is Nick Podell, and he's amazing. He read Name of the Wind, which my dad listened to and loved, obviously, because it's a great book. But Nick Podell is fantastic. One of the characters in this book is this like ancient fae creature. And hit one of the accents he uses for this guy is totally like one of your D&D dudes. Nice. But yeah, it's it's sort of like a what did I write down? A gritty coming of age tale. Um, there's like a train since birth master assassin attempting to figure out like who he is in the world. And he, I think I mentioned this, he like misunderstand or he like is mistold his main reason for being was supposed to be protection on your king, but he hears protection on your friends. So he goes into the world with all of this like ability and it's just really precious. And it, there's a lot of drama and there's cool magic and and yeah, it's just very compelling and it's especially good to listen to because the the narration is fantastic. Nice. Uh, what, what was the series called again? It's King's Dark Tidings and Calcade, it's K-E-L and then K-A-D-E. Nice. There's one of his books that I think you maybe have read. I feel like you would remember the name or maybe I, we've maybe we've seen it somewhere together. Fate of the Fallen. Does that look familiar to you? It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Okay. And then maybe I've just seen it and been like, oh, that looks cool. Maybe Russell and I should read that. Anyway, these are fantastic books. Nice. Sounds like it's right up uh, our usual alley. It does. (laughs) It gives me a little bit. Maybe we touched on this when you talked about it before, but like, is it because he doesn't really like understand things in the real world. Right. So it's like a little bit of like uh, Ichabod Crane and Sleepy Hollow where Sleepy it's like, Hollow. what is this donut hole or whatever? It's a little bit like that. I mean, he is so, I don't want to like totally spoil things because I'm four books in, but he has been trained since he was an infant. So like he has, and he was trained by what they call the strikers, which are like the King's like special, not guards necessarily, but like an elite force basically. And they um, have all these rules that they live by and they have all these skills that they are able to master. And he has mastered, like he has mastered all of them, which like every striker he comes across, they're like, that's not possible. And he's like, no, I I did it. And he's only like 19. But yeah, it's, there's like kingdoms and all this drama and stuff. But then there's also like the interpersonal thing where he's sort of like Ichabod Crane style, like not quite, it's not that he doesn't understand how it should work because he read it in a book, how people interact, (laughs) but he like doesn't know what his own feelings are. You know what I mean? He doesn't know. He's like, my chest got tight. Yeah. (laughs) Like... (laughs) What I, does like it when people, mean? I like when people can do that well because it's not easy like just trying yeah. to find the right words to express that when we all know what you know we know what he's feeling he doesn't though it's, yeah yeah no there it's a really cool it's a, it's a good 
It's a good story. Nice. And again, fantastic narration. Like yeah. I want to listen to everything this guy reads. <laughs> awesome. I have to check that one out. So check that out again. You said it was King Stark's Tiding by Kelcade. So yeah. uh, and like each of the books are um a different title, but they're all King Stark Tidings is like the I, for a while I was like, I don't know how to search for this because I don't know which is the title. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cool. So that brings us to our last piece of business before we let you go. And it is what is on the next podcast. And this is Taja's first real surprise oh, for mystery. me. And it's a mystery for her too, because she doesn't remember which one's which. So uh, we're going to find out together what we're reading okay. next episode. Based on the size of it, I'm taking a guess. And I think it's this one. Ah, it is Legendborn by Tracy Dion. Hey, nice. This is something that you had touched on before. I've actually looked at this a couple of times and not found it in like thrift books and stuff. So nice. Cool. Yeah, uh, this was one that um, my friend Weiwei had suggested. Like the whole, I think I'm pretty sure it's YA, but it's like strong female lead, people of color. I'm excited about it. <laughs> I am very excited for this Quick thing off the inside cover here. When the shadows rise, so will the light. When blood is shed, blood will call. By the king's table for the order's might, by our eternal oaths, the line is law. Hmm. Some legacies are meant to be broken, it says. So, very excited. We will check out Legendborn next episode by Tracy Dion. So, uh, get excited for that. But for now... This has been the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. Keep reading. <laughs>